So, hi, James. I usually ask my guests uh, what was the first line of Java, but in your case, I will have you know, to, to ask a different question. So, um, how you start programming? In which language and when was it? Um, aye, aye, aye. Um, my, I started programming in... Nineteen sixty nine. I think the first program. I'm. I'm not quite sure. The first programming language I learned was. I think it was Focal Five. It was either Focal Five or PGP Eight Assembler. I'm not sure which one I learned first. Mm -hmm. And why you did it? I mean you were just curious or you had to do this because of school or what was your road to the first you know, line of code? Um, I was, you know, in, in junior high school or middle school as some places call it. Um, and a friend of my dad said, you know, you want to wander around the university and see what's there. Because um, we happened to live about two miles from the University of Calgary, mm -hmm. so he he took me on a on kind of a walk around tour, and when we went through the 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 computer center, my head just exploded because it just seemed so freaking cool. And you know, I was not even a high school student at the time, um, but. You know, I kept coming back, and I had figured out how to like get into the get into the the data center library, um, read all kinds of stuff. I didn't have accounts on any machines, but I learned how to how to effectively break in, um, partly from dumpster diving. Um, and uh, stealing people's account numbers um, to to use the the, the, the there was um, some standalone uh, what would be called these days personal computers that were PDP eights, mm -hmm. um, and you know they, they they were all in rooms with combination locked doors. But the thing about combination locked doors is is people standing around can watch other people type in the combination and then and then you're in and because it's a university and I was kind of a, a big person anyway, um, there's this sort of default assumption that if you act like you're supposed to be there, then they treat you like you're supposed to be there. <laughs> okay. How old um, how old you, were you then? Um, I started when I was 13. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when you're a teenager at that age, you know, a little... You're, you're, you're much more... You're, you're more your um, sense of what's of right and wrong is, 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 is sort of guided more by what's cool than what's, you know, legal. Was it just cool, cool for you, or the other kids also liked, you know, this um, university? No, I was I was absolutely alone in this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, the... no, I, I was 
I was you grew up in a place the the where um high school revolved around sports and skiing okay and um you were fascinated by the computers but um yeah how they look like so were just like you know huge machines or more like you know like something like the eating k from sun or more like these smaller spark stations oh nothing was smaller than a refrigerator okay um and the big interesting machines like like the um big um flex machines and the uh, Honeywell and CDC machines they were all rooms filled with cabinets the size of a, a refrigerator okay and were you fascinated by the hardware or by the software um kind of both Mm-hmm. more 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 the more the software mm-hmm. um one of the things that was kind of a, a driver for me and this might sound a little odd but um as a kid we had like absolutely zero money mm-hmm. so <sighs> being able to buy like parts to do electronics experiments was completely impossible for me. I did a certain amount of dumpster diving for um, uh, parts that the people had um, thrown away. You know, there was a, a phone company switching center that was a good place to find old relays. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're dumpster diving um, in the 60s for relays that are obsolete in the 60s, um you're you're getting really old stuff mm-hmm. and 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 so it was always just a kludge and um the nice thing about software for me at that time or one of the nice things was that it really consumed no resources you didn't need bits of wire you didn't need anything else like that you could just write your program and you would get you know it would play games with you or make pretty pictures or um, whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. But how you got your motivation? So were the movies or something? So, I mean, there should be some initial idea, no? Like, let's build something from electronics or spare parts. So what, how it happened? Were you just generally interested in it or? Um, I guess I, I, I always just loved building things. Um, I remember having this, this, this sort of personal epiphany as a kid, um, where, do you remember, uh, that there was a movie called the day the earth stood still? Yes. Uh, the one with Gort and I thought Gort was really, really cool mm-hmm. and I wanted to build Gort. Okay. <laughs> um, and you know, that was when I was like nine or ten and you know my first attempt at that was um getting tin cans from from the garbage cleaning them out cutting them up and you know building sort of like the gort skin thing Mm -hmm. but it didn't take very long before I, i i i had this this little epiphany that 
you know, it's not what's on the outside that matters. It's like, how do you make them think? How do you make them act? How do you make all that stuff happen? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so I was like, where's his brain? Mm-hmm. Okay. And of course, nobody had an answer for that because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, th- this is, you know, the sixties. Okay. Um, so anything that kind of looked on that path, like that, like it was on that path, just like fascinated me. Okay. So, and uh, so I assume your first program had something to do with the brain, right? Or you tried at least to do. No, to... no, I was just, I, I mean, I was happy to do really simple things like, you know, plot functions or, you know, games like, like, um, hangman or or solitaire you so know what, any of so what was your first program so what was it I, 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 I don't remember okay um, you know various various um, various games were were high on the list mm-hmm. um, but they were all really simple card games um, but by the time I was 14 I was good enough that I was I had some friendships that I had struck up with some of the the other students and um one of them worked for the physics department and one of the the projects there needed somebody who could write software and um by then I had um I was not quite in in high school yet, but for some reason or other, they they hired me, and and after that, I didn't have to like search for topics. I was just ever they needed. Oh, this was your first job. How 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 old you were you back then? I was I was, I was fourteen, maybe fifteen. My mom says I was fourteen. Okay. Um. But you know, it was it was it was working for um, there was a there was a group that that studied um, the interactions between the solar wind and the upper atmosphere. Okay. And they had a satellite called the ISIS two, mm-hmm. and you know they were getting streams of data coming in. And they were trying to, to to turn those streams of data into pictures. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got hired to help with that. Okay. And which programming so language? Which programming language was it? Um, for for that, the majority of what I did was PDP eight assembler. Okay. Um, a fair amount of CDC sixty four hundred assembler. Mm-hmm. Um, a fair amount of Fortran. Okay. Strangely enough, a moderate amount of PL1. Okay. Um, but the vast majority was assembler. With 14. <laughs> you were 14 years old. Yeah. That's remarkable. So uh, h- how much time do you spend, spend with computers? I mean, all your free time? Seems like, right? Uh, just about. <laughs> it's, it's <not> a- <laughs> You know, like, like all through high school, you know, at the end of school, I would walk over to the university. I'd be at the university until probably around midnight. 
um, I'd head home. Um, lots of days I, 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 I actually would skip school mm-hmm. and, um, I, I, I discovered later that my, my teachers were actually happy with that and they were often, um, covering for me Okay, because <laughs> they would, they had actually figured out what I was doing mm-hmm. and, and since it wasn't, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't shooting up, shooting up heroin or something, um, they were they were actually pretty thrilled. Mm-hmm. And you regret that time that you spent the whole time with computers, or you think uh, this was the you know the right way to go? Um, I had fun. Yeah, perfect. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to know if some other path would have turned out better. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always really socially awkward. Didn't have a whole lot of friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I had some friends, but. Um, I had absolutely no interest in sports. Mm-hmm. They, they, they mystified me. I, I could not understand why any of them made any sense. I mean, I enjoyed skiing, um, yeah. but that was kind of a family thing. Cr- cross country skiing or downhill? Downhill skiing. Okay. My, my, my grandparents had managed a ski resort, mm-hmm. um, and you know my that whole side of my family mm-hmm. um, had basically lived on a ski hill. Okay, in Germany, so skiing is even con- considered as a sport. So I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I mean it's, one of my uncles was on the Canadian Olympic ski team. Oh, you know, so you know when when you, when your family does it all the time. Um, you know, it's something that you get into and. You know, I, I I I realized at an early age that there was no chance I was ever going to be as good at skiing as my grandmother. Okay. Um, but I did like hanging out with her while skiing because she was like unbelievably graceful. Okay. Nice. So um, after working with Forty Company, what you did then? I assume you spent university just coding all the time. And yeah, pretty much. I I, I had a lot of um, part-time jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all coding jobs. And which languages in, at the university time? Still the same? Um, well, it was a lot of assembler. Okay. Um, PDPA. Towards the end in undergraduate is some P, some um, some PDP eleven because the PDP 11s came out just in like my last year there. Um, a lot of work on the CDC 6000 series and the Multics machines. Mm-hmm. Um, did a fair amount of Fortran and PL1 and Pascal. Oh, Pascal, that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and 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 actually a, 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 a surprising amount of work in Simula. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little bit of sort of maintenance work on this on the on the Simula compiler and. I got to really, really love Simula. Mm-hmm. And there was no C. Oh no, C didn't didn't come out until you know C didn't 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 really hit the scene until um, when did I first use C? Um, 
first UFC in like 76. Okay. Or 75. But this was your, your university uh, time? Yeah. Yeah, until 1975 or 1976. Well. Okay. First UFC, but um, Simula predated C by a fair number of years, mm -hmm. as, did, as did Pascal. And was, what was your favorite language back then? Simula, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I like Simula a lot. And Delphi or Delphi? No, the 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 um, <clears throat> the Pascal I used was the original um, ETH um, Pascal compiler okay. that had that had had Worth's name all over the source source code. Okay, understood. And um, so after the university. So by the way, university. I think this is where you wrote uh, Emacs, right? Pardon? You wrote Emacs at the university or after? Well, so I wrote uh, Emacs when I was in grad school. Oh. <laughs> so so I, I, I started at Carnegie Mellon in 77 mm -hmm. and graduated in 83. Um, and when I was when I was at um, Carnegie Mellon in my first year or so, I was I was exposed to several versions of Emacs. Mm -hmm. um, there was the original one that was a collection of Tico macros, mm -hmm. um, and that that one only ever ran on like the PDP tens and twenties. The one that I used the most was one that was written in Mac, Mac list by a guy named Bertie Greenberg, and it, it run on the ran on the Multics machines. Mm -hmm. I did a, a consulting gig when I was in grad school to build a Pascal compiler for Multics. Okay, um, and I did that all using uh, Bertie Greenberg's. Um, Emacs, mm -hmm. and and then after that, I was like so addicted to to Emacs, and there was no Emacs that that could run on Unix at all. Okay. Um. So I wrote one in. So I wrote one in C. Um. It was modeled mostly after the 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 um the the Multics Maclisp one. Um. This got me. This got me in in, in trouble in, in various political circles because you know the one true Emacs was the one written in Tico, mm -hmm. um, and the one with the MIT command set. And um, I had followed followed Bernie, and um, there was a there was another sort of Emacs clone um, on the PDP ten that was. Um, much higher performance because it was written in PDP-10 mm -hmm. assembler. It was called Fine, F-I-N-E. Fine is not Emacs. <laughs> and that one was used really heavily at Carnegie Mellon. Um, but the, the guy who wrote it, Mike Kazar, um, did different key bindings. Mm-hmm. 
So the 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 Unix Emacs that I did, its key bindings followed the the fine key bindings because that's what everybody at CMU was used to. Mm-hmm. And um, your Emacs became the most popular one. Pardon? Your Emacs port to Unix became the most popular one, or? Yeah, well, it was the it was really the only one. Yeah. Um, because the 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 original MIT one was only ever going to run on machines that had this very peculiar implementation of Tico underneath it. The 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 Multics version was never going to move off of Multics. The the PP10 version that was done by Mike Kazar, it was done in PDP10 Assembler. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those machines are, are long gone. Mm-hmm. Whereas C and Unix survived. Mm-hmm. Oh, that interesting. And um, how long after Emacs you joined Sun? So I think what, 10 years or something? Um, well, not not ten years. I mean, the Emacs became sort of self-supporting, um, you know, in, in that it was good enough that that I only used it to edit it itself. Starting in, I think seventy eight, maybe seventy nine. Okay, no, seventy eight. Um, and then I joined Sun in in eighty four. How you join it? Um, as an engineer. <laughs> yeah, but I had uh, the chat with Scott, and this was like Bill Joy ask you, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it wasn't quite a Bill Joy asked me. It was Bill Joy instantly asking me over and over and over again. Ah, okay. <laughs> meeting up with me at conferences, jumping up and down, waving his arms. And 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 I was like, yeah. Um, but it but it sort of had a had a weirder history than that because um in eighty two when Sun was founded, um through a strange coincidence um, me and another friend had lunch with Andy Bechtelsheim mm-hmm. uh, just as he had um, signed the papers with um, Scott and Vinod to create the company. Mm-hmm. And I had some history with and, um, and and like the Motorola 68000 and at the time, IBM was trying to convince me to join IBM, and their CPU technology was way ahead of what Motorola could do. And I was partially jazzed by what IBM, the IBM labs were building, and... Um, you know, convinced that, that that Andy and friends were going to get crushed, which you know turned you know. So I so I took this job at IBM. Well, it was a, it was this sort of weird thing where it was a job at IBM, kind of while I finished off the end of my PhD thesis, 
um, and was at Carnegie Mellon. Mm-hmm. And I got to witness firsthand how um, how magnificent IBM is at screwing over beautiful ideas. <laughs> um, and, 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 and so, so then like, like, I, I just like, like your ideas. Well, the, the, no, not, I mean, not so much my ideas got screwed over as much as the, the research group at IBM Yorktown who had built this really lovely processor chip called the ROM. Mm-hmm. Um, which eventually evolved to being like the power PC. Um, how they had a beautiful architecture completely crushed by internal politics. Okay. Big company. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. Is... I, I was, I was appalled. Okay. Um, so then I went and joined you know, Bill and Andy and crew and it's, you know. And, 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 and you knew Bill so as a developer or just as a, you know, a figure, as a, as a son employee? No, I had, I had known him before. Um, we were both very active in the, in the Unix community. Um, there was a period in the early 80s when um ARPA was trying to decide what to push for the um the the the, the sort of most common OS mm-hmm. or um for like research labs and that to use mm-hmm. and um DAC Digital Equipment Corporation they were trying to get the universe to standardize on VMS. Mm-hmm. Um, and I pretty much, you know, I spent a lot of time lobbying, writing letters, doing tests, um, building prototypes, just generally lobbying on the fact of Unix on the, on the side of Unix within, within ARPA. Okay. Um, and, um, because, you know, Bill and friends had done VSD at Berkeley and, um, you know, I, I started running, um, early copies of VSD Unix at Carnegie Mellon. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I did was a multiprocessor port of VSD to a completely strange multiprocessor, um, you know, so 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 I got to to know Bill and other folks at the um, at 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 Berkeley, but we were we were more pen pals because we were you know a couple thousand miles apart. Okay, and, and you know, email ruled our life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and do you remember your very first day at Sun? Um, no, <laughs> no, because um, it is um. Interesting story, like because uh, you started at Sun, and I think you started with the enterprise stuff, right? So you uh, you uh, you didn't start it with Java. Well, I started doing some of the the um, some of the desktop stuff, mm-hmm. 
Um, I ended up, you know, so I was involved in a bunch of the user interface and mm-hmm. um, Windows servers work. Mm-hmm. I spent a ridiculous amount of time writing device drivers for various graphics devices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you became bored, right? <laughs> this is at least what... Um, no, I can't imagine ever having been bored at Sun. Um, the whole Java thing didn't start by being bored as much as um, me and some friends sort of developed this feeling that Sun was missing out on stuff. Mm-hmm. And and that was mostly uh, people writing software that, that you know, was outside of the normal universe of, of the computer science world. Mm-hmm. You know, it was outside of, you know, what computer companies were doing. And we got really intrigued by things that people were putting into telephone handsets and VCRs and televisions and locomotives and elevators. And um, it was cool. And we thought Sun was missing something. And um, we agitated with Scott and Scott said, okay, go spend some time finding out what there is to see. Okay. That's interesting. So in that early days, you already saw the potential in, you know, running uh, Internet of Things, basically, not Internet of Things, more like, you know. Yeah, well, the the Internet of Things is literally what launched Java. Yeah. And and you saw the potential already or you just wanted to play with hardware again? (laughs) Um, No, no, it felt like the Internet of Things was already happening. Okay. Um, you know, when we looked at what people were doing, um, with embedded processors in devices, um, you know, they were doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, when we kind of did our, like wandering around to various folks, one of the, the things that, that kind of horrified us was that they were kind of reinventing a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that you know people in the computer science universe had um, spilled a lot of blood over figuring out the right ideas mm-hmm. and um, you know one of the core things was 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 about um, how to build a network mm-hmm. um, you know I kept seeing people inventing new mechanisms of of, of networking that were exactly like what somebody had done 10 or 15 years before. And it was already known, you know, the, the, the dozen ways that it completely failed. Yeah. But this is normal. It still happens. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, 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 you know, at the same time, there were a bunch of things that the computer electronics industry was doing that felt like, um, there were things that the computer industry was ignoring, mm-hmm. you know, like 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 they had a, a, a an, an absolute dedication to um, safety and reliability. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that it wasn't even, there wasn't even a debate. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas I knew that, you know, hardware engineers at Sun, you know, if they could get a big enough uh, performance increase, they would actually be okay with a, with with something that 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 increased the or decreased the mean time to fail. Mm-hmm. And how you got the idea from the virtual machine? So you were inspired by, yeah, I don't know, some language or. Um, well, the, the the virtual machine idea was actually from a project that I had done years before mm-hmm. that um, turned out better than I had expected. And then when I started talking to people about issues that they were having, um, you know, with sort of software practice, I went, oh, you know, that thing I did like five years ago mm-hmm. actually would save the day here. What was it? And and so what that was, was that there was this uh, computer company called Three Rivers Computer. Mm-hmm. Um, they had built a, a desktop computer kind of like the Xerox Alto. And they were trying to sell it commercially. And um, Carnegie Mellon had bought a bunch of them. And, and they were mostly pretty nice machines. Mm-hmm. But the the instruction set... So, so, so the company was almost entirely hardware engineers. And one of the things that they didn't want to do was write a bunch of software. They didn't want to write compilers. They didn't want to do any of that kind of stuff. And 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 so they were they were kind of like, so what compiler can we get for free? <laughs> okay. So so they 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 went oh we can do the UCSD Pascal, mm-hmm. and and it came with this this um, interpreted instruction set, mm-hmm. and so I went. So then, you know, we uh, at CMU we wrote a bunch of software that ran on the ran on the perk, mm-hmm. and um, but the company failed, and we had lots and lots of software that that ran on the perk, mm-hmm. um, and it was just going to die, you know. So um, my advisor at the time said. Um, can you figure out a way to get this to run on on, on like a Vax? Mm-hmm. And I think what he had in mind was like writing a Pascal compiler that was um, compatible with the Perk instruction set. Okay. Or that, that was compatible with Perk Pascal, but would generate code for the Vax. Um, but there were a couple of other languages besides Pascal, um, notably things like, like a a couple flavors of Lisp. Um, and I was, I was too lazy to do a a whole bunch of compilers. (laughs) Okay. You are a developer, so this is normal. Yeah, this is normal, right? So, so... You know, I have this 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 
this sort of gut thing about searching for the 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 smallest solution mm-hmm. and 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 so I kind of realized that I could probably take the um the perk uh byte codes and translate them into vax assembly code mm-hmm. and lo and behold that that worked. But it didn't just work. It worked really well. Um, and so I, I, and, and I, I started doing benchmarks, and I realized that the, the performance I was getting from transcoding perk byte codes into VAX Assembler um, was, was better than the C compiler um, and, and fairly significantly. Um, and so I spent a bunch of time thinking about, so why was it that this worked so well and what would I need to do to sort of generalize it and, um, you know, generalize it both for like different kinds of machines and that, because there was a lot of discussions going on about, um, having an architecture neutral distribution format. And and I sort of thought about doing that as like a PhD thesis topic, um, but you know my advisors they 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 said no, getting that through the you know the PhD thesis process would be really really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I sort of gave up on it, but but the fact that it worked way better than I thought. So so when when time came. When I was on this on this um, this this sort of IoT project at Sun, mm-hmm. one of the things that kept coming up was that the um, all the all the manufacturers of devices they wanted to be able to treat um, CPU chips the way they treated any other part, like as as commodities. Um, so they wanted to be able to, you know, if, if Intel was screwing them over, they wanted to be able to switch to MIPS quickly and easily. And they wanted, you know, so that, 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 that involves a whole lot of things about being really independent of the system architecture all the way through having a language spec that doesn't have any undefined clauses. You know, one one that actually tells you what arithmetic means. Yeah. Um, when you started, when you started uh, JavaSoft with um, how, or in the IoT project later, I guess it was JavaSoft. How how long did it took to have a prototype in Java of Java or Oak? You remember well, that? Well, so so the the project started at the beginning of '91, mm-hmm. and the 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 first project the the green project started at the beginning of 91 and it ended in september of 92 oh remarkable and uh yeah. you had, you so, had so, something so, running already right in one oh year. yeah so 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 java was running at the end of 91 okay so this and, is... and we were using it to build this prototype mm-hmm. so it was yeah. How quick was it uh, until something was bootable? So you remember that it was month two. I mean, the project 
took one year, but I assume, you know, you had something earlier, right? Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the earliest Java compiler took a couple of months. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was, you know, it was, a, I originally did it using um, Bison. Mm-hmm. Um, and the code generator was pretty straightforward. Um, and I decided to be lazy at the time and just do an interpreter. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that I, um, uh, I realized from the, you know, even though the, the, the goal was generating machine code, um, one way to think about um, an intermediate format was as something that was meant to be um, an instruction set itself mm -hmm. and, to, and to get away from thinking about like encodings of parse trees and stuff like that because from a sort of a, you know, the, 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 the Java bytecodes are really like a Polish notation. Mm-hmm. And so you can think of them as, as something that is an execution of a stack on a stack machine, or they're a, you know, reverse Polish encoding of a parse tree. Mm -hmm. And you can write down semantic definitions easier from the point of view of the stack machine. Um, even though when you finally go to generate code, you're probably going to turn it into a, into a parse tree and, and, you know, start doing algebra on the parse tree. Mm -hmm. And uh, was it a good decision, you think? Yeah, it, it worked really, really well. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, cool. So then um, after one year, you had a project green, and then I guess Oak. So Oak was just the language yeah. of green, right? Right, right. And, you know, it was named because that's what was growing outside my window. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at the end of the Green Project, we we kind of had this, like, come to Jesus with, you know, Scott and company. And it was like, well, could we do something actually useful with this? And we had gotten enough um, really positive feedback from... Um, people outside of Sun that that um, Scott decided to to fund us, trying to see you know what out of this that we could turn into a business, and that turned into first person, um, which became this rather bizarre exploration of the cable TV and um, telephone industry. So there was there was there was kind of two parts to it, right? There was the you know evolving the technology, and then trying to do the business side of it of working with the cable and cable companies and the and the phone companies, mm -hmm. and uh, that was just psychotically crazy. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, working with those companies was was just completely nuts. <laughs> and um, the renaming from Oak to Java, was it marketing or more legal reasons? 
It, it was it was it was legal reasons. You okay. know, we, we we wanted to call it oak. You know, if you're going to release something, you need to use a name for it that's not going to cause you to get sued. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you tried to re- re- release a compiler for a language called Coca Cola, um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because lawyers will arrive on your door. Yeah, or it so, could be would would be safer, I think. Yeah, <laughs> um, but so 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 you really have to um, talk to some trademark lawyers and find out what you can do. And um, you know, they did all the all the usual searches to see if we could use the name Oak. Um, they they basically screamed in horror at how bad it was. Um, then we, you know, everybody started. We started this like five or six month um, argument over what the name ought to be, and pretty much anything that that that, that um, sounded right, you know, was already taken. Um, we ended up, you know, in, kind of in a panic because we weren't able to find a name where we just locked a bunch of us in a room. We started yelling words. Um, they got put up, you know, and, and they, were, they were pretty random. And and um, just ended up saying, well, which do you, do you like, A or better or B? And so we ended up with kind of a sorted list. Um, and then we handed the list off to the lawyers and said, go from top to bottom. The, the, the first one that, 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 that makes you happy mm-hmm. legally, we're, t- we're going with whatever it is. Yeah, so it's surprising that Java has uh, worked for you, right? Because it's... Yeah. Re- yeah. And uh, yeah. actually, do you like coffee? Oh, yeah. Oh, very good. So I was already, you know, concerned that you prefer tea, but um, yeah. We are developers, so well, I like tea too. Okay, I'm 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 you know an equal opportunity kind of guy. <laughs> okay, cool. So you spent some time at Sun Microsystems, and I guess you enjoyed the time, right? Oh yeah. I mean, there's the usual stupid human tricks and politics and that, but Sun was fundamentally a wonderful place to be. Yeah, this is what I hear over and over again. This is one of the reasons why. I wanted to talk with Scott and with you about the old times and how it actually happened because it was a remarkable place. I just was observed everything from outside, but I really enjoyed every minute of Java One and you know the whole interactions. They were really nice. And um, Scott, you, Jay, uh, um, John Gage uh, was already um, really. Uh, John was also involved in, in in Java, right, from the beginning. Yeah, as 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 kind of marketing and cheerleader in chief. <laughs> okay. Um, John's John's an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not really possible to to hire John and ask him to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, what you have to do is figure out what John is passionate about. Um. If it happens to be something that's useful, then hire him. <laughs> um, but 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 fundamentally, he he listens to his own drummer. Oh, interesting. 
What uh, also interests me is actually Genie. So the Java Intelligent Network infrastructure, it was like yeah. a few years um, after Java started. I think it was like 96 or 97. And mm-hmm. uh, Bill Joy uh, played a huge role. And um, and uh, what I never understood was how bad the marketing actually from Genie was because the technology was brilliant. So right now it could be microservices, it could be you no know, service-oriented architecture, self-healing networks. So it was actually... Alone, the idea of leasing, where you know, the resources can disappear and reappear, was genius. It was very simple, and actually inversion of control as well. It was genius back then. And, yeah. uh, and But the, in Germany, there was like conference, they say, genius is great you know, for distributing printer drivers. And uh, say, yeah, but it could be also used for load balancing of enterprise services, right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and this was like a strange situation, because the technology was actually way better than the marketing was. Oh yeah, well, and, and and part of the the problem with the marketing, um, was that um, companies like 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 Microsoft, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know Microsoft basically pumped an infinite amount of money into marketing. Um, <laughs> XML and SOA. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that had that, that, that sort of characterized Sun was that Scott really doesn't like to spend money on marketing. Okay. Um, you know, even if somebody is, you know, fighting, fighting you t- tooth and nail, um, his his preference is, is better to is is more to kind of let it bubble up from the bottom, let let developers choose, mm-hmm. and and that works fine, except when you know people are being bamboozled and um you know so the so the the the. The whole genie thing and the, the underlying technology for it, RMI, mm-hmm. um, was just, it was just a travesty. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, and RMI was kind of a precursor in that, you know, it, there, there was this um, huge fight between RMI and the, and, and the object management group. Corba, yes. And Corba. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, you know, all the engineers would pick RMI. Yes. And all of the senior executives would pick um, Corbin. Yeah. Because, so, um, I have a problem here, which is that we're at the end of the hour. Okay. I've got a next thing. So, do you want to do a follow-up? 